Welcome to the School for Dental Entrepreneurs, the only podcast that provides actionable insights into the dental industry. Brought to you by Emitter, the leading communication platform for your dental practice. And now, here is your host, Anmol Oberoi. Hey everyone, welcome to yet another exciting episode of the School for Healthcare Entrepreneurs. Today we have with us a very exciting and interesting guest joining the podcast. We have with us Dwight Pakora, who's the owner of Fort Bend Dental. Dwight has had a really interesting journey. He has taken the original Fort Bend Dental from about $1.7 million to just surpassing $10 million across all of their locations. And they're just about to onboard their fourth location, which I think is super interesting. His journey is filled with a lot of discovery by doing things and innovating and building a completely new concept of comprehensive oral healthcare. Dwight is here to talk about his journey and his vision. Thanks a lot, Dwight, for doing this. Absolutely. It's such an honor to get to be on, and it's always an honor to get to uh, collaborate in a way that allows us to be able to make things easier. We, we don't want to reinvent the wheel every time for each of us, but we want to collaborate in a way that each professional out there who feels alone gets a chance to learn a little bit of the bumps and bruises that a lot of us have collected over the process of doing this um, so that others may not have to do it. So it's an honor. Thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate it and, and appreciate your thought process around this. I think in, in some way or the other, uh, our thought processes are very aligned because uh, you also built uh, uh, you know, something that is completely new and, and you thought about how you want to educate dentists. We'll, we'll of course, talk about that uh, in the later half of the podcast, but, but it, it would be good to take a step back and, you know, maybe talk about where this journey really started 10 years back and how did you get into the world of dentistry? Yeah. So I would say that um, medicine has always been around me. Uh, my father was a physician. Um, he was, my family was originally from Argentina and one of the big things about what, what instilled in me was he was a physician, but he was a very strong entrepreneur, whether it was in real estate or it was in also coming up with new methodologies within medicine to kind of collaborate and, and find ways to get to a better patient care model. Um, and I was surrounded by a lot of that, and, and it was always part of kind of normal discussions. And uh, early on, even when I was uh, working in um, dealing with higher education, whether it was university or I had worked on developing a lot of uh, outsourcing uh, companies to be able to support different areas. In particular, um, it started off early as being able to understand that connecting people was really the method by which we can make the world smaller. We can find solutions that in other places around the world, the solution's already there. And so we worked with a lot of outsourcing companies. I, I built a company, um, co-built a company with, uh, uh, called Premier Outsourcing International. We, we did computer programming between South America and Central America um, and, and uh, North America, just trying to kind of build uh, individuals that could help, highly educated individuals that could help American companies uh, solve some of their IT development and engineering problems um, while also being in the same time zones and things of that nature. Okay. Taught me a lot about management of people, development of uh, procurement, development of uh, departments, and understanding the nature of what types of people work well for different positions um, and, and what it, how we could scale teams. And so a lot of people then uh, from that have seen me want to have a lot of passion about not just doing the job itself and not building an enterprise, but more than anything, building quality teams, people that 
uh, get to work together and be excited about it. So if a lot of people ask, you know, what it is that I do, if people really know me, they say, well, Dwight loves to build teams. He loves to find efficiencies and ways where we can balance each other's weaknesses with other strengths and go back and vice versa. I learned that a lot in the computer programming industry. It was a big part of kind of who we were. Not only were, were there certain people that were really skilled at certain things, but they were they were usually hyper-polarized in certain ways. So I really learned a lot about being able to balance that out. Uh, come to find out that later when I was in dental school, um, I had, was having to fly back and forth from South America and it became you know, a conflict of interest and in being able to learn well from my future patients and things to that degree. So I, I actually pivoted. I, I, I sold away and I was more focused on maybe creating something within a vertical industry within dentistry so I could learn more about it before I jumped into private practice. So during dental school, I, I started a dental lab. Um, it was a, an outsourced development out of uh, Costa Rica, uh, where I was used to dealing with um, uh, Spanish culture from Argentina, dealing with computer programming, where my family's from, but also developing a, a huge side where I basically saw that large organizations, whether clear liner organizations like Invisalign or things like that, received a lot of their highly educated people out of Costa Rica. And so we did a lot of the same thing um, and developed some of that, um, became one of the major labs um, for the Texas Medical Center area where UT School of Dentistry was using them. Lots of clients we had. We had uh, during dental school, when we first started it, we kind of trickled it in. And within the first year, we we collected over 70 different clients, uh, dental offices throughout, um, throughout Texas where we started building this process. And so it was really exciting to see um, how a lot of us could bring together small ideas while also there was a there was a curiosity about learning about the industry about the verticals that support the industry of dentistry long story short that you know that there are labs that I still own that are still involved in that nature and now we've integrated them more intimately in our process and so when I graduated dental school I found myself seeking out uh, a chance to grow a team seeking out to to understand the verticals at a much higher level um, and one of one of the ways that I really gained some of that was being able to not only grow and develop my clinical skills and getting to see the process and the service and the customer service and the and the quality orientation of compre comprehensive care dentistry, but I also focused on building incredible hygiene teams and incredible focused uh, individuals that that you know they they thought they were going to be hygienists for the rest of their lives. And then I realized, well, you can also grow and we can also develop each of these individuals to become something that they never thought they could. And then those passions start coming out. We start collaborating. And so we've, we we did. I, I joined a group practice at the time. It was um, producing one point, uh, high 1.6 at the time when I, I joined. Um, it was uh, three and a half doctors, I'd say, more one part-time. And as I kind of made my way through, I, I was an associate there for a couple of years. And I, I basically traveled around, not just that was my main practice, but I would go and see other models. And really, it was a giant study of, of how dentistry was done in different places. Um, whether it was a different insurance style model, whether it was a fee-for-service model, whether it was a, a PPO versus a DMO, I got to see a little bit of all of it. And um, it really helped me hone in on what I believe is everybody's true job in entrepreneurship was understand your avatar, understand the type of patient that you're looking for, looking to serve, um, and the mentality around how you build the team to serve that that individual uh, avatar, but also how to build the constructs of your business and your marketing to seek out that avatar. And so over the, you know, I, I became managing partner about um, six years ago, maybe five years ago. And over the, that time frame, we, we've, we've now surpassed a run rate of, of 10 million, which is 
uh, exciting from a revenue standpoint, but right. seeing the 10, you know, 10,000 uh, lives that we get to change and, and serve these patients is really something that, that has been passionate about for me. Um, we went from about 11 people and now we're, we're over 50 uh, employees on, on the team. It's just exciting to see that growth. And it's exciting to see how well a team can work together and be successful at doing something um, and become more passionate about doing it. Um, and so it's it's been an ultimate joy um, already of my life. And I'm I, I can I can see a long runway still. Um, I'm 37 years old, and I can see the opportunities that are coming in a consolidating industry where we can still focus on building quality, comprehensive care for our patients and letting the team really take control of the clinical process. And so that's, that's kind of my, my story in a, in a short time frame of, of where I, what's brought me here thus far. Wow. Well, thanks a lot for sharing that and congrats for the, you know, for the 10 million and for impacting 10,000 patient lives. Um, I think from, from what you just told me, I can clearly remember two things. Um, you know, when I say remember two things, what I mean to say is that two things that really stood out for me, um, and, and I can relate to those when, when I spoke to other entrepreneurs is that you said that, the, you know, it's exciting to know about, um, the 10 million, but of course, uh, it's also about impacting 10,000 lives. Yeah. And every time I speak to an entrepreneur, they tell me that, and then I ask them that what's your motivation, right? Because to the outside world, it always looks like a chase for revenue. But yeah. every time I speak to entrepreneurs, they tell me that it's just to stay relevant and to make an impact. And right. I think that's exactly what stands out in, in, in what you have to define. And the other thing you said that you love building teams and, you know, through your career with multiple ventures that you have started and built. I think one, that, one thing that you've mentioned, which, um, you know, which interestingly Elon Musk also talks about is that you need to make sure that uh, you may or may not have that skill for which you're solving a problem but you need to make sure that people who you are working with, their vectors are aligned so that you can solve that problem. And I think that you've essentially cracked that really, really well. One of the, I, I agree. And I, it's so great to be amongst like-minded individuals. You know, there's such scarcity mindset within our profession. Um, it's about getting a diploma, getting out there and doing your best. And, you know, dentists tend to self-isolate, um, I think that the fear of consolidation, all these other things tend to force isolation of individuals. And it, it tends to be difficult to see. And so we we hyper-focused on the idea that we may all have a very myriad of skills. But right. if we hone in on one single purpose, and we call it a decision ripple at Port Bend Dental, and decision right. ripple focuses on if the drop of water hits the dead center, if the centered uh, focus of our decision is patient quality of care. If the very first thing, how does this decision affect the patient, right? We have a, a yellow colored chair in our boardroom so that we know that although there's a boardroom and we're making decisions here on how to take care of things, nobody sits in that chair and that loud chair is, is literally the defining uh, factor of the individual patient and how they would react listening to the decisions we're making about their quality of care and the decisions we're making, whether to expand or to do whatever it is we need to do. <coughs> One of the joys here is that it starts in the ripple of deciding how does this affect the patient? Right. And then it goes outwards and says, how does it affect the team? How does this then affect the Fort Bend Dental brand, what we stand for and how we serve our community? And then lastly, how does it affect me? How does it right. affect me as an individual, uh, the hygienist, the individual assistant, the everybody in the company? And so it helps us be very selfless in our decision-making. It helps right. us decentralize our decision-making. 
Um, and I think it helps us make sure that even though we have different weaknesses and strengths, by unifying them and knowing our, our commonality and, and the direction in which we want to to serve this this uh, our patients, um, having ten to fifteen thousand active patients every year that you are in charge of not only getting them to come in and do the care that they need, but also maintaining them, making sure that their preventative care is the ultimate goal and the ultimate process. It takes work. None of this is easy, but it's, it is about a team approach. It is about collaborating and, and sure we all have fires to put out, but when everybody has that commonality of thought and it's less about, you know, money for, the partners and the owners and less about the revenue styles and things like that. But understanding every time we've picked patient first and team right. first, we, the revenue has always been there. We've never had to worry about that piece. And we knew yeah. that the growth is appropriate and it's healthy. And I believe that one of the hardest things in dentistry today is consolidating and realizing sometimes it's not easy to grow um, without, without maintaining quality of care. And that's why we've stuck so hard to this model. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And I think, um, I think you've figured out what you really want to do, how you really think about it and built your own playbook, which I think is super exciting to learn. Of course, uh, we will learn more about that during the conversation. Um, so talk to us a little bit about your role, uh, uh, you know, Dwight. What, what exactly is your role? Are you still practicing or uh, is it more about your passion of managing teams and making sure they're all aligned? So I, I clinically practice about two and a half days a week. Um, and, uh, beyond that, I'm the managing partner. Uh, we, we have built a structure, um, where we have a, a management team that, that focuses in developing and caring for, uh, the actual team that supports the patients. So it is a separate, you know, a separate company entity that helps them get incredible benefits and all these other, you know, scenarios, whether it's 401k matching or health insurance benefits and all these other scenarios, but it's also built on, having a team around them, whether it's an HR director, whether it's finance, accounting, operations, these individuals help develop and realize that the people they're in charge of is to support and lift up the, the actual uh, team that's caring for our patients. So the clinical team and things to that degree. And so what, what I do is I, I run that group and I run that team as well as overseeing the general operations uh, including mergers and acquisitions. So as a managing partner, my job is to help support the board of directors. I'm not only a managing partner, I'm also a, a one of the, the shareholders as well. And in order to do that, I believe that it is critically important that I still have a clinical touch, that I'm still in the trenches serving the patients consistently. Um, the majority of what I do these days is implantology, um, full mouth reconstruction type um, oral surgery. Um, I did some training beyond my general dentistry training to be able to focus on developing those, those areas. Um, right. And it helps us make sure that we're collaborating. So I'm a big part of training and developing other doctors and associates coming in. And so it's, it's, it is a busy time um, right. as we're growing, but we've been able to sell, delegate and decentralize a lot of the decisions and how we train and onboard um, our people that has allowed me to be able to focus on, on the growth of the company and be able to focus on who we want to be um, as a company. And we can assure ourselves that there's still a quality of care that's being brought out. And so I think that's the greatest joy that I've, I've been able to see and that I've enjoyed being able to be a part of at this point. Got it. Got it. So is it safe to say that, you know, probably when you started years back, a lot of it was, uh, you know, hands-on implementation at your end, but yes. that role essentially has evolved into identifying the right people to implement those things since you can't do everything on your own. So identifying the right people, making them grow. So that gives you time to think about the growth. 
Absolutely. I, you know, I, I remember very early on, um, you know, you end up, you're doing the QuickBooks, you're doing all the little parts and pieces, you're getting very much so in the depth of it. But knowing all that and understanding the infrastructure you're building is incredibly healthy to be able to know how to bring in the right people for that job. Okay. Absolutely. And I, I think one of the things that a lot of people uh, get caught up on is, is they feel they still have to have a touch on everything. Um, they're too scared about somebody making mistakes or creating those issues. And I, I think it really comes down to uh, acknowledging that as an entrepreneur, you have to pick progress over perfection. Uh, it's something I, I had a late coach, Alex Sharfin, that I worked with all the time. And he literally would make me write it on my arm because I wanted a sense of perfection. But I realized the company would not grow and we would not develop an incredible team and be able to serve this many patients if I constantly got stuck on those details. And so it was about, you know, well, we've gotten to the point where, um, we would have to do a time study. And I'd realize that I'm spending so much of my day on tactical work versus the strategic growth of the company that I slowly but surely would grab and I would orchestrate what portion of my day was tactical that could be now outsourced to somebody else on the team that we would bring in. And so we did it very methodically. And so we would end up in a sense of building trust through the process, but also allowing people to make mistakes. And I, that would be part of the onboarding and saying, try, take initiative, take a sense of autonomy and, and a sense of drive to be able to make these things happen and give you more, more support while also the coaching process of, of what it means to give them a ton of resources and be there for them and, and be an intimate part of that. I was able to do that because then I was able to let go a lot of that tactical and then slowly but surely bringing on the right director of operations helped take away a lot of that. Um, bringing on an executive admin, created a lot of that support. And as we've grown, I like to say, let's not build an elephant on draft legs. If you do not build the infrastructure, it will come toppling down. And a lot of individuals choose not to spend money um, to make money. They, they believe that they, they want to just make the money and keep it as tight and knit. What I have found in the past through my experience of uh, multiple enterprises at this point in time is when you don't put your money in your infrastructure and you don't invest in the people that are there, um, right. your business tends to have peaks, but very deep valleys as well. And the infrastructure is unstable and it keeps you from sleeping at night and it keeps you from being able to consciously believe that you yourself and your team are scalable. And so the scalability of something is really probably the most important thing to me is understanding that if you don't prep your team to scale, you are just going to find yourself hitting wall after wall. And it is one of those stories where you take 10 steps forward, but you end up with 20 steps back. And it gets very, um, it, it becomes almost a sense of too much of a challenge worth trying to scale. And I think that that's where a lot of our practices are today. It's, it's um, we're happy, we're comfortable, but um, we want to grow and we want to scale, but we don't want to invest in what it takes to grow and scale. And usually that's great, you know, people and incredible teams and, and giving the time to be able to, to support them in the way that they need. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, that reminds me, uh, you, you spoke about that uh, a lot of people, you know, don't want to spend money to make money. Uh, so so there's, uh, there's this joke uh, among the in the dental industry, which is called, that's so dentist, yes. which, which talks about that dentists are not ready to spend, uh, sometimes maybe they're not okay to spend, let's say $2,000 a year, which will end up making $20,000 for them. So yes, I think it's, it's hard for, you know, maybe somebody who's doing this for the first time for, the, for them to be able to visualize the value. But, but right. I guess, yes, you're right. It takes time, but of course it has its own value. What, you know, what I have found is a great example in marketing. If you don't hire somebody to oversee and help you track 
the return on investment on everything you invest in. It's out of sight, out of mind, and you don't tend to value it. And in fact, what happens with that so dentist concept is, is that usually that means that you're running your, your business emotionally. It doesn't mean that you're running your business with data, that you're not tracking, that you're not scaling the data and understanding why that data. I can tell you how many times have I been around a doctor and even within my own practice, and they'll say something like, well, I do, you know, I, I did 20 root canals this, this week or this month or something to that degree. And I said, do you really think you did that? Or, you know, I, because they're trying to scale templates for their schedule and have a consistent schedule and support them. And I go and we look and you run the data and maybe they did seven or eight, but they did them during peak stress times. And so they were more of a stronger value, you know, to that element individual. It's a very emotional industry, incredibly right. emotional. And what I find is, is the best way to do it is just to slow down and build a team who values data, build a team who understands that that's the most important part. And so when I meet with my board of directors, we talk about some of the bigger picture things, where we're going, whether it's part of the portfolio related to patient care, or whether it's developing uh, real estate uh, development for our offices or things like that, it really comes down to the data, the information, the pro forma, the, the understanding of where we've been, where we're going, how much we're saving, how much we're protecting ourselves from issues like COVID or things that will come up unexpectedly. Um, until you know, we tend to act very emotional. And right. our emotions in dentistry is specific because of the nature of the stress of the job. Uh, the emotions come on um, either very negative or also very uh, in a sense of hyperbole, a lot of exaggeration for effect. We want you to know that it matters to me that I did this many. It, it, it doesn't, it's not actually correlated to the reality of it. And so um, I think a lot of people get stuck on that. And one of the biggest issues is for marketing, track everything you're spending, understand your budgets, do the infrastructure work to understand the value of why it is you're spending so much. Because I can't tell you how many times I've seen doctors cancel a, a marketing program that was giving them 10 to 15 times what they were spending but for emotionally, they didn't feel that it was attracting a particular type of patient or things to that degree. And so it, you know, it, what you don't track just doesn't, doesn't get valued. Absolutely. Absolutely. Completely agree with you. And, I, and I'm, I'm sure, especially with COVID and, and with all the technology coming into the industry, things are changing. People will probably start to track more data, become more uh, data driven than, you know, take emotional calls. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Great. So, you know, uh, coming down to the really interesting part of your journey, which is, which is essentially uh, scaling um, the practice from $1.6 to about $10 million. Mm -hmm. When you started with $1.6 million, um, I'm sure you didn't have, uh, of course, the goal is never to stop at 10. The goal is, of course, to keep going and getting more and more patients, impacting more lives. But uh, what really did you see that was this a big opportunity? What were you able to see there that, you know, maybe can I take it into something much, much bigger? Essentially almost 10x today. Um, and, and what did you see as an opportunity where you said that, okay, there is a big gap and there is a big opportunity and probably we can fix those two and take it into something much bigger? I believe that um, there's a desire for connectivity between patients and practitioners, there's always still going to be the desire for somebody to say, I had this procedure done by my dentist, and, my, and I know my dentist. I know them by name. I get to see them consistently. 
and still maintaining a sense of connectivity. All my doctors still, if you know, they've given an injection to the patient, we all call our patient that night. We make sure that we're contacting them. What we saw was an isolationism within the industry and a shareholder protection mentality that put the patient last. Um, we also found ourselves saying, if we meet them where they are in their neighborhoods, which is why we sure we had a main hub model, but we also started building the small spokes because we believe that if we can build a comprehensive care model of not only general dentistry, but creating a sense of comprehensive care and specialty care within an under one roof, then we wanted to be where those patients were. So we were very active on saying the opportunity here was to say we have a very well connected practice to the community but that the, the practice was not scaling. It was status quo. As most dentists in, in that time were, you know, I graduated from dental school in 2010. It was very obvious in that time, there was some scarcity from the economics, what happened in the 2008 downturn. There was a lot of scarcity in an industry where, where people were discussing DSOs and the beginnings of consolidation and what that would look like. But a lot of it was still bred from the, the scarcity mindset that dental schools tend to still breed, which is, you know, these are the ideas of specialists versus a general dentist versus the MDs, and we're clearly separated. And um, because I grew up around physicians, I grew up in a lot of medicine, and I grew up doing medical missions around the world, one of my passions was to realize that the true healthcare system is collaboration amongst each. And so I started to interact. It, it was not abnormal that if my patient was going to see the oral surgeon, I would be over to seeing the oral surgeon and seeing what they were doing. I saw a lot of isolation within the specialties as well. And mm -hmm. so what we decided was, although our hallways were filled with gifts from all the specialists from all over, we found a sense that those specialists still did not care for the patient to the level of contacting them late at night or making themselves available or having their cell phones. But it was just, it, it continued to be a hamster wheel on how they were running their practices. And so what we did was we started to decide we wanted to invest on building a more comprehensive model that protected individuals from their insurance um, and protected individuals from the opportunity to make sure they got comprehensive care. It's not abnormal in our office to start now and realize you're getting all your care, whether it's an extraction, a filling, a, a root canal, a veneer, a, an Im immediate implant, and you're getting all that done in that same appointment because all of us want to go to a dental office the way we want to go to any other doctor. We want to get our imaging done and our procedure done as quickly as possible with as little PTO taken away from our work or little time taken away from our families' lives. And that is the model. I believe that there still was a huge sense of believing that it was doctor hierarchy and the patients follow what we want them to do. Right. And so my what I realized was the opportunity was let's take away the friction from patient care. Let's take away the stress of being able to say, come in, I'm going to see what we got, and then we'll deal with it later. And so we built a lot of our company tenants based on same-day dentistry and comprehensive care immediately and making sure if you, if you have pain and you have a problem, we're available 24-7 to see you as need be, not because our doors are always open, but because we have an emergency care procedure protocol that allows us to be able to have someone always on call and a strategy like that. This attracted a lot of practitioners who believed in the model of quality care and sustaining that. And right. so as we scaled and grew multiple locations, it really came down to the fact that some doctors just got tired of running the business of dentistry 
and not getting to do the dentistry. And I saw that very early on. And, and I even, even during COVID year last year, we acquired a practice and we also merged another practice that was um, in the outskirts of our county and merged into one of our locations. And what it was, was it was a new home where they felt they could come in and focus on quality of care and not have to worry about all the other parts and pieces related to HR and finance and all these other pieces that help the business run or paying bills. They wanted to focus on quality of care. And I think there's a lot of practitioners out there. And I think that's the model that has grown. Um, although, Although people are scared that that's the DSO model, for us, it's still the providers are still the owners. Um, the dentists Absolutely. are still the owners, and we're still uniquely built on collaborating as dentists. And that was the original way that Fort Bend Dental was actually founded: was two dentists just didn't want to do it alone, and they came together, and we we found ourselves doing better dentistry um, and caring for our patients more comprehensively that way. Wow. wow. So, so I think uh, you did see that there was a big gap in the patient experience, especially when Absolutely. it was not comprehensive because maybe the specialists were not able to do what you were able to do by making sure that if you've given an injection, then you reach out to them, you're available for emergency, and the doors are always open. And of course, bringing everything into under one roof. Right, absolutely. And the patient friction situation has been shown time and time again. I mean, look at Smile Direct Club. You know, individuals can complain about the way that's being taken out of the clinical environment, but their whole model was based on the idea of removing the friction of access to care to patients. And I believe as much as, you know, individuals would fight the idea of things, you know, oral health care being managed outside of the dental office, I believe that this is going to be the traction for millennial Gen Z generations. And really, honestly, any generation is now starting to catch on to the fact that they're able to have connectivity and remove this friction. And I believe that if we as dentists choose to stop being so isolationist and, and focus on if you don't come see me in my office during these hours at this time and I'll go by my rules. Um, and we realize that we're here to serve our patients. We're not, we're not here. And if you feel that it's just because your team is too small, then you got to grow your team to be able to serve your patients. And so I believe in building infrastructure to, to commit to the reduction of friction for patient care. And I believe that's a big reason why we've, we've grown and done what we've done um, and it's been a huge joy to do it as well. It hasn't been so difficult, right? A lot of individuals who grow businesses based on numbers and production, they really end up struggling with a sense that there's just more tasks to do. It doesn't organically grow. Um, but when you focus on patient care and your bigger purpose, it, it organically grows really nicely and in a way that makes you also enjoy the growth um, and not feel, not feel vindicated by, by one direction or another, but you, you're very proud of what you do. And I think that's a big part of what our team has been able to do now. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that, that sort of reminds me to an analogy when I was speaking to another dentist and you spoke about things growing organically when, when, when you do the right things, things move in the right direction automatically. Um, I, I, I remember speaking to uh, another dentist friend of ours and, and he mentioned that, uh, today you need platforms to ask patients for reviews. Um, People don't automatically talk about the positive things, but if it's negative, they automatically talk about it, which which clearly shows that there is a big gap in the industry because maybe not everybody's focusing on the patient experience, which is so great that they're automatically going and leaving you a review. You have to ask them. When that can happen for the negative part of it, why can't it happen for the positive part of it as well? I totally agree. And I, I think there's just a sense of um, disconnection. I, I, 
I, it's routine that I walk into dental offices and I ask individuals. And I mean, I've been subject to it myself. You see enough patients, you forget their names, you don't connect with them. You've got to slow down. And I think right. there's a sense of uh, there, there are incredible doctors out there worldwide that are talking about slowing down your dentistry, taking care of your patient holistically and making sure that that's what needs to happen. Um, and, and eventually you kind of graduate out of the, the circumstances that you're built around to be able to do more. And a lot of it just comes down to focusing on patient care and realizing that at the end of the day, um, if you feel that your insurance is con creating constraint, regardless of what insurance they have, if they believe in you and they know that you're going to stand by your work and that they can trust you, um, that's a model worth building. And that's a, a model worth sustaining as well. And I, I have patients, patients push to that uh, very, very quickly. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And, and I think I can sort of speak from my personal experience as well and slightly off topic, but uh, uh, just, just the day before I was in an Uber and, and uh, you know, it was a 60 year old man and, so I think he, he understood his job really, really well. His job is not just to drive. It's about the experience. He right. used those 20 minutes of my time in the, in the Uber to speak to me, to talk to me, to understand who I am, where do I come from, what he does, talking about right. his life experiences. Right. So he built that relationship in such a way that after my ride, I had to give him a five-star. I had to leave him a review. He didn't have Absolutely. to ask for it. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. And I, that's the organic development that I think we, we all seek. Um, and, and, you know, when, when doctors, most of what I see on social media with, with doctors is they, they're complaining about the complaint that came in as opposed to getting on there and sitting with your team and being like, wow, where did, where did we go wrong? And what, how can we make sure this doesn't happen again? Most of it is a pride hit when, you know, we can all say we've all screwed up and we've all haven't been able to do what our patients need sometimes. And we haven't focused and cared for them. But sometimes you need to step back and, and you need to recognize that maybe they're right. Maybe there is something that we could do better. But how do we make sure it doesn't happen again? I think that's the ultimate goal and the ultimate opportunity to coach your team. Um, but there's that it's that way in everything today. And people are focused on it. And COVID made it even more obvious. They want to know how you sterilize your equipment. And they never cared, right? But now we're making videos about you know how well we sterilize things, which is the same we've always done it, right? But people right. care, and we have a, a more intimate society that understands that value and understands that component. But I think that comes down to scarcity, right? Every every individual out there, especially doctors, we tend to fall into scarcity. Um, I have a good friend who talks about going and speaking somewhere, and people say, "Well, you're in, you know, you're you're in this area, which is a very rich area. That's where your practice is, and that's why you're growing so quickly," you know. And and he tells the story about how. The individual who I, they, he asked me, he said, well, how far do you live from this hotel? And he says, oh, no, my practice is just down the street. And he said, well, just down the street is also where the Mercedes-Benz dealership is. Do you really think that, you know, Daimler is going to place a Mercedes-Benz dealership in a place that people can't afford that? Or is it just a scarcity mindset of what you're willing to ask right. your patients to do and this kind of thing? And I think that that mostly affects us on the business side. We're, we're too scared to build. We're too scared to add another operatory. We're too scared to invest in our hygienists or our people. Um, and, and we end up, we end up being, being the reason of our limited success. Absolutely. Completely agree with you. And, and, and sort of continuing on that point, you spoke about comprehensive care and the organic growth. Um, it, was that the idea behind the you know, 10,000 square feet uh, mega practice? Uh, that that offers everything. What 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 are the kind of things that patients can expect from that practice, and and what is it all about? 
Yeah, so we built a hub and spoke model. Our original founded practice was out of Missouri City, which is on the southwest side of of uh, Houston, Texas. And in this area, we we live in a, a in a very populated Fort um, Bend County. Um, and the blessing of it was we wanted to build a space where we knew for a fact we could grow and scale based on the needs of our community. It wasn't, you know, at the end of the day, you, you look at what's available out there in the sense of how they need to be served. We knew that a lot of people were going out, growing in this area, that we have a lot of individuals like in California buying sight unseen, 40% of the real estate's going that's a beautiful thing, but if you don't build something that allows them to feel like we can care for our existing patients while also care for uh, new patients go to that degree, it makes that much of a difference. You also have to be visible. You have to be available to, to patients. And the truth is, is you can spend an arm and a leg trying to pay for people to pay attention to you on social media and everywhere, but you also have to be visually available to them. And, and it made that much of a difference. We built this space out in the dead center of the community. We knew that it was an impactful space because we wanted to make sure that they knew that we were living here in their neighborhood, that our doctors were readily available, not just because emergencies don't happen from eight to five on Monday through Friday, and they happen on other times as well. We wanted to let them know we were here. And so what we built here was the hub, the headquartered facilities for that. We knew that with our other locations, we needed to be able to serve all our team members. So this has a central dental office with 16 operatories. Um, the 16 operatories include two operating rooms for IV sedations and oral surgery and things to that degree. While at the same time, it also has a wing that attaches to the building that has the support individuals for other facilities. So for example, our HR director, our director of operations, our finance, our accounting accounts payable, those individuals are all here. They're separate from the clinical process. They have a separate part of the building. But right. it is so that we don't have those individuals at other locations necessitating, especially with technology today, to centralize so that we can collaborate, so that I can help lead that team, made a big difference for us. We yeah. believe that the other individual locations would need to be patient-focused team members only, patient-facing ones. So, for example, our phone systems, when you call, come to the front desk, they're not going to have phones at the front desk being able to talk to somebody else because the person that matters is the person that's right in front of them. That was part of our experience model that we wanted to build. And so we have a, a micro call center here that helps support the other locations as well when their call volume is over the top. We want to build that connectivity. And that's something that this, this building allowed us to do. Additionally, we built a uh, about a 50-person continued education suite in here. It's a large classroom. Um, Burkhart and ADEC have, have been able to put in a surgical chair or a full dental operatory inside our, our training facility. We have hosted from all over the nation and outside of the nation, individuals come in and train not only our team, but to train other doctors and other practices in the general community. And it's been a huge factor of success for all of us to feel that we're growing and able to support each other. The idea is that we don't compete with other dentists. Um, the focus of this building was to be able to help be part of the rising tide so that if, as we, as they say, as you rise the tide, it floats all ships so that all practices mm -hmm. were able to have support and grow. And so we've had hygiene programs for laser hygiene or um, uh, even our, our uh, ACLS CPR programs or even things to that degree. It is not necessarily that we're, it's a business model. It's part of our vertical, but it's about serving our community as well. And so we've used that for our charity events, to have a housing space, to be able to serve other patients here. 
all the way to serving continued education. And that's what this, this hub model, this 10,000 square foot facility allows us to do. We, we, um, and the last real piece of that is we house our main lab here. So our ceramists and all our chief dental technicians and all them, they're here um, and they digitally serve the other offices. So all offices as part of Forbin Dental have CEREC CAD CAM technology. So if they struggle with the design of something or they want to mill something in particular that's a, a custom temporary or an immediate crown or, or a shade matching scenario, they're able to continue working on their patients. They scan it, they'll send it here to the lab. Of course, the ones here are immediate because they're local, but the other locations can get it designed by, by our, our own ceramist and our own team here and send it right back and have it printed at their location. It's a very digital enterprise that allows them to feel like they have immediacy of same-day dentistry for their patients. And again, it's about serving the patient as number one. And so that's what's driven a lot of the goals as to building these verticals within some of these practices. Well, well that's exciting. And, and I don't think I've... Uh... Probably there are very there are very few, but I don't think I've met anyone who's done this so far, of having comprehensive care under one roof. So, so congrats to you on your uh, on your vision and you know sort of having accomplished it. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to be honest with you. I I can't do it without the team that I've had. I've got an incredible uh, set of doctors. Our hygiene team is just they they're passionate about what they do. We've got over 47% of our team drives 45 minutes or, or, or longer to come yeah. to us. And in the suburbs of Houston, that's not what you expect. You expect to live close by, but a lot of them tell us it's, it's because we come here to learn and we grow our own careers. They don't feel like they have a job here. They feel that they have a career here. I think that's a big portion of why we've been successful. And it's honestly, it's been a great joy. Uh, dentistry has been beautiful, getting a chance to meet and, and learn not only patients, but also team members and and see that uh, I think it's a big future of, of the percentage of how we will care for our patients. And I believe that more models like ours will continue to grow, not so much in competition for DSOs. I think that they have their space, but I think as us as doctors want to collaborate and learn more together and grow more together for our patients' basis, I think at the end of the day, we're, we're going to win. And we're, we're going to win by being able to have quality of care and a quality of life at the same time. And that's exciting. I think that in general, we're all doing our best uh, to serve our patients and to do it well. Absolutely. And, and, and I remember, I think you, you mentioning in our conversation earlier that it, it's not a doctor-dentist-patient relationship. You're in the same community. You keep meeting each other. Um, even when you're going to buy a grocery, you, you probably bump into your dentist or your specialist. And that's yeah. essentially how you want it because you want to build relationships and, and not just, you know, a transactional relationship. It creates accountability. And the Absolutely. truth is, is when you know you're going to run into your patients, you know, you don't shortchange them in any way and you slow down and you take care of them. And I, I've, I've had several doctors who've tried to come from far, far away to work here. Um, and that is a line that I draw. And I try and say, doctors, move closer. Serve these patients locally where they need to be served. And, right. and I, I believe in that. I believe that that's a model that we can do. And I believe as we continue to do that, every location we have has individuals that live nearby there and are passionate about that area of, of Houston. I, it's the way we've we've really really enjoyed practicing dentistry, and um, it's been it's been I think one of the anchors and the cores to our success. Well, well, that's exciting. I think I've I've personally learned so much from our conversation. Uh, hopefully, I can learn this and implement this in my own business. Uh, so, thanks a lot for doing this, Dwight. And um, you know, just before we close for today's uh, session, just wanted to understand 
Um, any final thoughts for our listeners and, and what's your plan moving forward with, uh, with Fort Bend Dental? Do you plan to add uh, more locations or, uh, or you want to take it slow, figure things out and, and sort of, um, you know, make it more patient focused? I think that one of the greatest joys has been that um, as we grow, uh, we've been able to find areas of need. And for example, the office we just opened in February, um, we had a group of individuals that lived out towards that area. And they said, man, we would love, it's a hygienist and a doctor and an assistant and a front desk. They all live right there. And they, um, there was a huge passion for the fact that Fort Bend Dental was coming to the neighborhood, that our brand was strong enough that it wasn't just another dentist coming to the neighborhood. And that um, we had a big snowstorm in Texas and that they were only open three, three weeks uh, of the four weeks of the month. Um, But in the end, they were still on day first three weeks of being open of a brand new practice. They were able to produce $55,000 and care for tons of patients and who are coming in and were excited and they would routinely come in because we listened to them and they said, we were just so thankful that Fort Bend Dental's come. I used to be a patient. I used to drive all the way from Katie to get all the way out there. We are so thankful to be able to have this level of care and have it available to us and to have the accountability and know my doctor, know my hygienist, know the team that cares for me. That is a model that I believe works. And as those opportunities come up, yes, have we triangulated areas of uh, the counties around us and things like that that I believe need um, better, you know, more comprehensive care. I also triangulated areas that I believe that there's dentists out there that are struggling, want to do incredible care, but they're, they're stuck on trying to figure out their business and things like that. So one of the things that we're looking to do is to grow in an organic manner where the need is in the community. But we believe that what we have founded, it tends to throw us into potentially one merger to one new office development per year. So about two offices that we'll kind of deal with per year. And that tends to be, we, we tend to say no, I would say to about 90% of the, the cultures of practices that come and try and, and merge with us or work with us. But we tend to be very excited about what, um, what this model brings, which means we all are just collaborating together. We're buying together. We're building together because we believe that together we can do better. And um, I, I, that's, that's been the ultimate joy. And that's, that's why it's exciting to get on a podcast with you and be able to share a little bit of that because I, I do believe that I wouldn't want to be doing dentistry alone. I think that today it's too complicated. It's too involved. Um, it takes too much away from my personal life, from my ability. Um, my wife, Amanda, and my two boys, Lincoln and Grant, I mean, at the end of the day, they, they're still going to be my focus. But to be able to not care for them because the industry is scaling at a rate that most cannot keep up with, well, let's continue to enjoy our practice. Let's continue to still have autonomy on how I practice and how I care for my patients, but do it in a way where a lot of the headaches are taken away. I think that's where doctors are really enjoying is collaborating, coming together and bringing their teams together to grow. So um, I I think the future of, of Fort Bend Dental is based on where our patients want us to be and how they want us to care for them. Um, while at the same time, we've clearly delineated that there are, there are areas of need and we're, we're hoping to make sure that we stabilize, we stabilize practices and make sure that we're not taking from each other because we don't want patients to be affected, but onward, upward, higher, higher. I think there's an opportunity here to serve. There's an opportunity here to be proud of what we do, um, and not feel consumed by a competitive nature that's out there in our, in our profession, but our profession is live, strong very capable to do a lot more. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. And um, thanks for giving me a chance to talk a little bit about it. 
Um, I've been on a few podcasts and I think you do a great job of kind of diving into a greater purpose, um, not just kind of the numbers and what things have happened. We've been blessed to be able to be successful, but it's because right. of what we're passionate about and what our purpose is. So thank you for the opportunity. And it's been, it's been a, a lot of fun and just a great chance and happy to kind of keep up with, with you, your podcast, and also keep up with the industry in any way that I can. I'm happy to support in any way. Um, and you're happy to share my information to see if anybody has any questions or thoughts. Um, I'd love to collaborate further. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, the pleasure is all mine. Thanks a lot for being on the show, Dwight. This was super helpful. And, and I'm hopeful that we can take your message and vision out to a lot many people. And, and hopefully they will learn and understand the value of it and sort of embrace it. Absolutely. Great honor, my friend. Thank you so much. You take care of yourself. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to another episode of Emitter's Podcast. Want to learn how you can reduce your new patient missed calls and grow your practice by 40% today? Take a look at emitrr.com.